So just being able to redefine setbacks and shift, pivot, you know, the, the nature of the universe is that we are going to have setbacks, we are yeah. going to have failures in all of our four pillars. Relationships will break down. Right, okay, how do I define it? Is that a reflection of me as a person? Well, maybe I can learn from it, but essentially I'm a, a beautiful human being that's an unlimited potential. What can I do to move forward from here? Hello, beautiful people. On today's podcast, we have the wonderful Jeff Smith. Jeff holds a Master of Education, an MBA and postgraduate certificates in management and leadership. He is a teacher with over 20 years experience and an educational leader in schools for at-risk youth. He's the author of the book, Four Pillars, Creating a Life on Your Terms that focuses on enhancing levels of well-being. What I personally love about this conversation is the beautiful flow that Jeff and I had between each other. There are some really magical moments on this podcast when I have a guest who is easy to connect with and on a similar wavelength. Our conversation spans the four pillars of health, wealth, relationships, and mindset. We discuss the power of focusing on what you can control, on enhancing your awareness around your internal conversation, and how to open up yourself to the abundance and opportunity that we call life. We discuss the power of rituals and habits, how to overcome setbacks, and most importantly, how to best create a life on your terms. Please enjoy this conversation with the lovely Jeff Smith. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Oh, General Louise, it's so good to be here. I'm very uh, grateful to have this opportunity to have a chat. Me too. <laughs> so where I want to start with you, Jeff, is with a quote from your book, Four Pillars, Creating a Life on Your Terms. Time. For the first breath we take on this planet to our very last, the clock is ticking. How we spend our time between these events determines the deepest quality of our lives. The actions we take or fail to take on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis accumulate across the years and shape our lives. How many days we have on this planet is unknown, but we can consciously influence their quality. So where I wanted to start with you, Jeff, is I would love to get to know you on a deeper Mm -hmm. level. Sure. As someone that clearly values consciously influencing the quality of their life, when was it for you that this began to become so important? Great question to start with, uh, General Louise. I think for myself personally, it's been a slow and gradual realisation. There's not a moment that all of a sudden things open up and go, oh, this is one life, I've got to try and live it the best I can. (laughs) It's through experience. I think experience is the best way we learn. It's the best teacher and over time through experience you start to reflect on things and see as you get older as well the time passes that time is running out and time is short and before we know it we'll look back and our life will almost be over if we're lucky enough to grow old and I didn't want to get to the stage where I'd get to later in my life and regret some of the decisions I made yeah Um, and I was fortunate enough at a fairly young age to create a world or create a society or create a very comfortable lifestyle. And I realised that it can look good from the outside and it can be comfortable, but it may not mean happiness and progress and growth and development and, and those things, living on the edge where everything happens. So um, I think in answer to your question, a slow, gradual realisation, lots of reflection, uh, you gradually start to see more out of life. And I know in your book you mention um, this practice of sort of contemplating one's death. How how does this kind of, like, what what does that look like and how does that play into us being able to sort of appreciate the quality of our lives more? Yeah, it it sounds contradictory, doesn't it, where we reflect on our death. Yeah. (laughs) Enhance our very stoic. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, Mm. yes. To enhance the quality of living now, I think that's the one level of death. We're all going to die at some stage. Um, and it can really be used as a great leveller mm. of what is our life now. We know that in probably two generations, no one will ever know that we existed, um, no matter what we achieve. Um, so, therefore, that limiting fear of 
what happens if I make a mistake here or what happens if I don't take this job or do take this job or end this relationship or don't take this risk, that starts to have a bit of perspective that death that death can bring. And I think it's nice to remember that there's a lot of people um, that go through life without actually stopping going, wow, I might have 20 summers left in my life. Yeah. Am I going to live those 20 summers as if they're nothing or am I going to start to look at them and try and add value to them and quality? It's not about length of time. It's all about trying to zero in on moment-to-moment quality. So I don't really think it's the you know, changing different professions or doing radical things that, um, that happens in society. A lot of it is just changing our perception to the moment yeah. and bringing more of ourselves to the moment. Um, mm. That's how I try and practice, I suppose. It's always a practice. Yeah, absolutely love it. And it made me think something that like interestingly I very naturally did recently was almost changing that to the other side as well in terms of our relationships with other people. And again, this may sound a little weird to some people, but it's like in some of the more challenging relationships that I may have in my life, you know, there sometimes is confusion in them. And I've sort of had this idea, okay, if they were to pass tomorrow, would I be proud of the way that I behaved in this relationship or in this friendship, um, am I able to put my head on the pillow at night and feel like I did what was true to me? Um, And I feel like that sort of helps. And I was talking to someone recently about this. They were having some issues with one of their family members. And I said, you know, try this practice and see if it works. And it, it amazingly, this like concept of death, the concept of loss, whether it's your own life or someone else's, really interestingly begins to put things into perspective in a really powerful way. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, generally our parents is a great example of that. Yeah. You know, our parents, we love them dearly, um, but I think everyone experiences the same level of frustration at mm-hmm. times with our parents and realising that this could be the last time I see them or this is the last meal we have together or this could be the last sunset. Yeah. That element of, okay, I may not be able to control the external events, but I can control how what I bring to it and what I do. And, and we know that you know, life happens and, and people that we love die very young. We have no control over that, but we can control the quality of our relationships. And I think for me that's, that's one source of great peace and happiness when we really start to look at our relationship. But, and I don't feel that we can have you know, hundreds and hundreds of relationships. Mm-hmm. The true relationships are only maybe half a dozen people we um, that we can invest in and really try to nurture those relationships as hopefully they nurture us or challenge us in some way as well. So um, I think parents are a beautiful gift to be able to practice that um, flow of relationship. Yeah. Challenge I- of relationship. I absolutely agree on that. And fulfilling relationships is one of the four key pillars that you focus on. Can you share more? Because I found this really interesting. It's actually something I've only been reading on recently and seeing it in your book. I was like, I'd love to speak about this. You share how like our friendships or, you know, our just relationships in general, not only obviously impact the quality of our lives, but what's really interesting in the science now is that it can even impact the duration of our lives. Can you share more about that? Because I think that, you know, I'm studying a lot on human connection at the moment. And I think most people aren't aware of like, you know, we focus on food, we focus on exercise and water and sleep and such a profound thing that we don't realize how much it can affect our health and well-being is those quality of our relationships. Yeah. And when we're social beings, our brain is proportionally larger than other animals to engage in these social complex social interactions Mm. Um, so we're designed to be social beings and being social beings there is conflict there is times when communication goes astray and things like that but the quality of our relationships really determine what our friends are doing we will do you know Mm. it's the same with our work colleagues if our work colleagues are eating healthy or arguing or complaining, then we'll fall into that trap. Mm. I saw somewhere recently that there's a correlation between income and our relationships. So the the quality of the closest people, their income is is related. If we're at that standard and associating with people at that standard, then we will naturally grow into that space Um, and vice versa. If it's not, then it's going to pull us down and it's really challenging if we're trying to grow ourselves as people 
Um, the people who should be supporting us are often fearful of that change mm. and will throw judgment at us, at us for that. Um, and sometimes I've noticed over the years that some relationships actually die by themselves because they're not nurtured and it's a science, it's, it's just life. We can't continue to nurture relationships when we start to move in a different direction or they move in different directions. And there's other relationships generally that I've had since I was at school. Yeah. And we may not talk for two years and then I'll pick up the phone and say, let's have a beer and it's like we're meeting again. So, um, you know, there, there's all these different types of relationships. We have at different levels. We need some to challenge us. We need some to support us. Um, we need some to just have a laugh with and, and not to take everything so seriously. So knowing what relationships we need um, can therefore give us control once again of where we support put our energy into. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned sort of this also this relationship between, you know, friendships and income or the people that you spend time around. Because something that I really loved in your book is that you shared that basically like there's nothing virtuous about living in a scarcity mindset. Can you share more about what that means? Yeah, yeah, that's straight at the heart of um, a lot of my, um, I suppose, upbringings and beliefs uh, come around that this, this virtuosity of, of living with a mindset that we have to scrimp and save and yeah. pull back the reins or constantly pulling back the reins and, and preparing for that cloudy day and, and money doesn't grow on trees and all these idioms that really restrict our natural being. And mm. Yes, there's a, a balance to be drawn there. We can't be reckless in what we do, but sometimes the best things we can do is the opposite of what we think we should be doing. So um, let's say, for example, from the wealth creation side of things, sometimes it's in our best interest to spend money in order to allow more money to come through us, So, such yeah. as maybe a new course or... Um, getting a degree or going to an investment seminar or getting a book or what, it requires an outlay of money, but that knowledge of who we become from that can open up new opportunities to allow things to grow in. So it's um, that's that flow and nature of, of nature, that there's a, a time to expand and there's a time to contract. And, and knowing that is the walk of life that is so challenging for all of us. Yeah, I think that's one of the most beautiful and challenging journeys, certainly one that I'm on at the moment, is like really becoming aware of like almost the energetic relationship between myself and money and and really feeling into like, why am I making these certain decisions around money and like sort of experiencing that a lot of the time I'm very closed to kind of like sharing it or um, spending it like in that fear that there's just like not enough in the world. But, you know, my partner's got a very healthy relationship with money and he's just kind of like, you know, shows up in this complete abundance mm. and it's always around him. And I truly believe like the more I kind of lean into this like energy of abundance, that there is more than enough for everyone, yeah. the more interestingly that begins to come into my life. It's quite a fascinating thing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we, we're brought up in this society of belief systems that we take on board and, and that's mm. the nature of things. And we start small with challenging things, you know, buying that, that coffee for $4 or $5 or whatever it is, how do we feel about that? Does it light us up and go, yes, this is what we need for the day, it's going to be great? Um, or do we start thinking, oh, we should be saving it and, and things like that? And then it's just trying to growing that awareness. A lot of what we do is about enhancing our awareness around the internal conversation that's going yeah. on. Um, and then we can start to step back and go, is that true? And a lot of times... We may have the story that it's true, but it may not necessarily be true because there's other people who have done whatever we are scared or fearful of. Um, so that awareness and that reflection and then just challenging little things and then how does it feel? And um, I noticed in my own journey that the more I worked on myself, the more I became the person that would make the right decision at the right time. Mm. It wasn't as if all of a sudden I won the lottery or whatever happened. It was more, right, this is this makes sense, this feels good. Um, but it was work that I did on myself. Um, and, and then also learning about taking an interest in the financial market. You know, it's easy to say, oh, you know, um, people that spend their time looking at the real estate and looking at the stock markets, they're all concerned with money and money, 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 <laughs> that type of stuff. But it's, it's having that healthy balance once again of 
Well, if I want to grow in that area of my life, I have to invest the time. I have to learn more. I have to become better at it. I am going to fail. I am going to make mistakes. That's part of the journey, but I need to be consistent. I need to show up with enthusiasm and then gradual progress is, is made. So it's. Um, I think that the, the, the story with the four pillars is that this type of concept applies to all of them. It, each of the four pillars, it applies to our health, it applies to our relationships, it applies to our finances and our mindset. To continually invest time into these areas, which I think significantly impact the quality and happiness of our life, is an ongoing process. And if we neglect one, then it impacts the others. Mm -hmm. And if we overinvest in one, if I overinvest in my body, for example, then there's a good chance I'm going to neglect my relationships or my finances or whatever it is. So um, I like to challenge the notion of, oh, I only can have a fit body and that's it. Why can't I be outstanding in health relationships, finances and mindset? I want it all. I'm quite greedy from that point of view. I want to have (laughs) everything. And, and live with that energy and vitality of, yes, I'm, I'm ticking this box every morning. I'm yeah. investing in my relationships every day. I'm investing in my health every day. I'm, I'm ticking things off. I feel good for that because I'm making progress and I'm investing that time. And that's important to me as a person. Yeah, it made me laugh. I um, recently in the last few days got a new bookshelf because uh, I've, you know, got so many books. <laughs> love it, love it. Like never have too many books, generally. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you. You're my new <laughs> friend because <laughs> um, some people tell me I have too many. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's disregard. Books is the way to go. But it was so fascinating because I really do. I have a lot of books and this book, bookshelf, um, bookcase is really big and I was like lining them all up and kind of putting them in certain orders so they're easier to reference. And then I just like had this moment of realization that I think was really important. I looked at every single book and because I was kind of categorizing them, I was like, there is literally like there's one book out of a lot of books that is based on finances and money. And it was like fascinating because this is my new focus. And that one book was there because it's sort of more of a recent thing in my life. But it just kind of made me realize it's like in those parts or in those areas of our lives that we may not be as strong as other areas it is kind of like really important to become how conscious are you in realizing like, well, how important is this to you? Like how much time are you investing in trying to understand this area of your life? And as you're suggesting, like I know many people in my life that have absolutely nailed their finances in their life, but the quality of their relationships um, is certainly no match to that. So I think it's, as you're sharing, it's really the importance of becoming conscious in those areas of your life and where maybe do you need to spend more time and focus. Yeah. And there's a couple of ways we can go about that. We can shift our focus on what is working really well in our life. So let's say, for example, if our health is working really well, we can use that as a foundation to then move into these other areas. Um, I think in the book I write about that being the, the positive Kickstarter. It's, it's looking things from a positive psychology point of view rather than from a deficit model of mm. if I focus all my attention on what's not working, then that's going to impact everything else in my life as well. But if I use what's positive, if I've got great health, then I can be grateful for that and I can use that as a foundation to start to explore these other areas that I now value. And I think over time, as we get older or change in our uh, makeup, there's other areas that come up that are of more interest to us. Mm. Maybe when we're younger, the, the finance thing is not as important as when older it is. It's more about health and beauty and looking great. Um, but that changes over time. So therefore, we can start to shift our focus a little bit more into that. But using a really positive mindset, I don't like the idea of um, looking at things from a negativity. We have to get better at this area. It's no, I'm great at this area and I want to shine that light onto this Beautiful. area and start to do that. You know, I use the example, I think, in the book that if my finances are really successful and strong, then why don't I perhaps look at um, using a personal trainer to start to work with my health and, and start to know, know more about that because the finances are there, I can start to do that. So it's just trying to use what we've already got to help those areas that we'd like to improve upon. Yeah, I absolutely love that because, yeah, as you shared, it's like you can go from that that point of view that I have the money to now work more on my health and well-being or if you start with health and well-being you've sort of got the energy and vitality to start investing in other things yeah Yeah, I I really like that 
So yeah. be- before you mentioned um, decision-making, and I want to speak to you about this because you shared sort of earlier on the conversation that like the more you worked on yourself, um, you know, the better the decision-making in your life was. How do you sort of gauge what decisions are good for you? Like, are you kind of like a gut feeling intuitive person? Like, how do you kind of, are you more of a strategy? (laughs) How do you kind of like play into decision making? (laughs) I'm going to say say it's very fluid. Okay. Uh, I don't have a set set strategy or process. Yeah, just what feels right. even, Even the goal setting process now is, I suppose, has changed a little bit as I've gotten older. Um, I think I spend more time maybe in reflection now uh, and trying to trust, if you want, the gut, the intuition that knows. Um, I also realise that there's an infinite amount of opportunities in the world Mm -hmm. that are walking by our front door every day, that it's more about me putting myself in a position to receive rather right. than having to do more. You know, the concept of having to Beautiful, do this, yeah. this that, and that. Um, I think we're all sometimes almost push those opportunities away. The work we do work, if that's the, the, the right word for it, is to put ourselves in that space so that these opportunities flow so therefore we yeah. can jump and make those decisions. And, you know, it takes... It takes time. I often look when I was younger and the things that I created younger seemed to be very natural. I didn't even have to think about it. I didn't have a strategy or plan in place. It just somehow happened because I was invested and I wanted it to happen. And I think as we get older, we try and maybe sometimes use too much strategy at the expense of feeling to uh, our, our brain overrides. This is what we should be doing. This is where we should be doing. Yeah. We should be at, this is what, you know, rather than, oh, I believe, I trust, I have faith in myself, things will happen, things will happen and, and I'm going to narrow in on uh, on doing this moment really, really well. You know, I, I wake up in the morning and it's the first job. I want to make the bed as well as I can. No one's going to see it. No one's going to care, really. But, okay, let's do this one well. Let's make the coffee first up really, really well and then no matter what I do, then those opportunities I feel will be there and I'll be in a space to make those emails or calls or whatever I need to do. Um, but it's a growing process. Yeah. No, I I love that you mentioned that because I really experienced that in the last couple of months. I feel like since working for myself, I've really had my head down and it's like, you know, you you set your hours and like you you put in the effort and you're, you know, you just, for me, it's kind of like hustle, hustle, hustle kind of thing. Yep. And a couple of months ago, I just like had this one day where I was like, you know what, I'm going to like change my energy for a moment and just kind of like open myself up. And, and genuinely, like I said to the universe, I'm like, I'm opening myself up to opportunity. Like I'm ready to receive. Um, yeah. And, you know, I have I have faith in, in yes. whatever happens. I'll keep doing what I'm doing, but I'm approaching it not from like more work equals more results, yes. but also just this like energetic opening of what is yeah. available. And it yeah. was funny, literally the next day I received an email like of genuinely like an opportunity that was like written for me that wow. I couldn't have even sort of yes. put together in that moment for myself. And I read this yes. being like, this is exactly what I want to be doing. And, you know, by, and it was interesting in those moments, Jeff, because it's like, oh, okay, like this is happening. But then sort of the fear response come in, doesn't it? When sometimes yeah. they're like quite quantum leaps almost. Yeah. Oh, but you're yes. like, okay, like it's here. And like, I, I guess like I'm open. <laughs> yes, yes. And like you have those, you know, we we talk about decisions and, and choices and it's like, you have to make that choice that feels right. And I knew that even though I felt slightly fearful, like yeah. this was an opportunity to say yes and lean in. Yeah. And because of that, it was really interesting that that one day of work that I ended up doing I got paid the most I've ever been paid in a day and I went home and I like cried out of happiness and I was like (laughs) because I I was shown what was possible when you just take a moment to just be really present and say like I am open to receiving and I know that there's probably some people listening to this that it's it might be a little too (laughs) woo-woo it might be down the track but for me it for me it like it it proved 
what I was really setting myself up for. And since yeah. then, I've been so much more relaxed in the work that I do. And it's so interesting, like it, the opportunities continue to yeah. come rather than this kind of like forced way yes. of living and expectation. It's just so different, Jeff. Yeah, and I think you, you mentioned it right. There's definitely a, a place and time for the hustle, hustle work. Yeah. Uh, if it's coming from the right It's kind of place. like the co-creation, isn't it? It's kind yes. of like I'll you keep do doing so. what I'm doing, but I, yeah. I'm also mindful that there is something else that, is working with me yes. on this, yes. that it's yes. not just me doing this on my own. Yeah, exactly right. And when we try to do everything by ourselves, we're pushing ourselves. Our small little ego is pushing ourselves right. to try and change the world around mm -hmm. us. And we have very little control over the world around us. We can, as you said, co-create. We can put ourselves in a space to allow things to work through us to this. For this. Now, some of my greatest ideas have come from sitting still in meditating going, Right, I think I might send these guys an email and just see where we're at and then it's led to a whole different pathway right. and things like that. It's not because I've been writing a list of things to do and then trying to do this, this, this. It was just this is where I'm moving into, this is where I'm opening. There's a work element there but it's not a, a work element that is coming from a place of fear and scarcity. It's an excitement, yeah. it's an energetic work element mm -hmm. that's an inspired work element that I think that's that's very different from the old school classic keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing until you break it. Um, there's all there's always an element, I think, at times where we have to push that that wall, where it is hard. You know, the next day from your your, your breakthrough day could have been the crappiest day of your life. Right. You know, the, the things might have just been bills might have come in, you're like, man, yeah, we're yeah. back to zero again. You know, yeah. that's the nature of the world and you've got to go, well, yeah. you've got me now. I thought I was I thought I was yeah, but it's uh, it's not. It, it just uh, I think the universe has the greatest sense of humor. It gives you a bit of an opening, and you think this is it, and then it'll close that door, and it's very easy to become despondent and yeah. give it up. But then you just got to go back to. I'm a big fan of rituals. I think having rituals and habits that you do religiously and consistently keeps you moving, even when the body, the mind is not up for it. You know? um, to have that those processes in place just means that those sticky times, those times that are ugly and you don't feel as well as you'd like to do, it just keeps you moving. Yeah. Even if it's a sales pace, it keeps you moving along so that when those moments are there, boom, away you go to the next level. But um, if you don't have that foundation, then you fall down, fall down very quickly. So... You know, I know I feel better for doing my rituals and there's days that it's easier, days where it's harder. But I think faith is a big thing, you know. Um, the Indians call it shraddha, that enthusiastic faith in oneself to, to bring that energy to even when you don't want to, you know. That's, that's beautiful, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it makes me think I have a, a gratitude practice at night um, that I kind of focus on four different aspects of my life, including myself, in which I'm grateful for. And it's hilarious. Like sometimes I'm like excited for it and I'm like in it. I'm like, I'm so grateful for this and this and like so much gratitude. And some nights I'm like, I don't really feel like being grateful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't understand. really feel like being grateful tonight. But I mean, because it's a ritual, as you're suggesting, um, you know, mm. you, you lean into it because you know that it's there of service. And mm. when you kind of break that state and, and really get into embodying that practice, like every moment, it will always sort of change okay. the way in which I'm feeling. Yeah. What, I know that you, um, you practice different rituals in your life. Yeah. What is one that you feel like you could share that really kind of, I suppose, helps like maybe if we are kind of in that sticky state where we're not really feeling ourselves or we're not really feeling connected with life and what's happening in it, what's something that really helps you to kind of ground yourself or recenter yourself? Uh, I'm a big fan of the cold shower, ice yeah. bath, swimming in the ocean. Mm -hmm. That's got to change your state. It, it does, you know, uh, physiologically, psychologically, everything that changes changes things. Um, so I'll do that. I'll have a cold shower every morning and, and it's uh, in different places, it's been easier and harder than others. Yeah. But that's it's just the initial one to say, hey, look, I'm doing this even though I don't necessarily want to. You know, the mind might be saying it's cold or stupid, whatever it is. But it's like, okay, this is just who I am. This is important and and I'll do it. So, you know, that's a, a physical, I suppose, little ritual 
that I will do every morning. I've got a, we've got a heap of <laughs> breathing exercises too. You know, we have a ritual with our, my partner and I where we'll sit down every morning and we'll read for 15 minutes by ourselves and then we'll share a coffee and, a, and maybe a little bit of cake and just have a chat about what we've A bit of cake read. in the morning. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> That's a great uh, ritual. Ash makes the most beautiful chocolate cake um, first <laughs> in the morning, so... Nothing better. You have just I, opened up the ears of many listeners on yes. that one. <laughs> well, when you're getting up at get, getting up at uh, three a.m., you need some incentive. So the coffee and the uh, <laughs> a little bit of cake gets things going. So um, these little things just make it's investment in my relationship. So yeah, um, it's important time for us because then after that we're hundred mile an hour and going from there. So um, I'll always find time to sit in meditation for a day for, for, during the day. 15, 20 minutes, morning or night if I can, regarding uh, at some stage I find that's very important for just grounding and this is me, this is who I am. So um, there's all these type of little rituals, as I said, that really keep me moving in the right direction. And when we're sort of like, you know, trying, I guess, to move in the right direction and won't always feel that way, like it, like obviously in the conversation that we've had, it's like there's going to be moments where we feel really in flow and there's going to be moments that we feel like we're not. I'd love to talk to you more about like overcoming setbacks and particularly I know sort of recently you're more sort of exploring this notion of resilience. Yes, yeah, it's a great question. Um, I've been doing some work at the moment in the high-performance field and the notion of, of high-performance and resilience and setbacks that occur and my, my initial concept because I've had coaches and teachers saying, you know, young people today are soft and, you know, all this type of stuff. They don't know what it's like. And, and of course, they don't know what it's like. They've had no experience. Um, experience mm. is the greatest teacher of, of resilience, um, if we take it in the right, right word. Um, but I've been exploring the notion of willpower and look at the word will and power. And so I think it's a beautiful thing to start to really focus on when we do come up against these setbacks and willpower um, is essential when we are faced with times that are challenging. I like the, the terminology around setback and how we define a setback. You know, it's not a mistake. It's not a failure. It's not the end. Right. Um, if I haven't made this sporting team or if I didn't make, I set myself a goal to make, you know, $100,000 this year and I haven't done that or failed. It's I'm going to reclassify this with the language I use. Yeah. And, and be gentle with the language I use and then redirect that energy not from the focus of what's going on. Perhaps I can learn from that, but what's the next step? What can I do from here? What do I have control of? Um, a lot of sometimes we don't have control of the markets, the, you know, an injury, we get an injury, we start exercising and we get an injury. It's like, well, I do have control of how I look after myself, how I recover from that, um, what I consume, Food is massive. I could talk about food mm. all day. As in <laughs> the chocolate cake. Yeah, yeah, with chocolate cake, yes, exactly right. <laughs> the essentials. Um, essentials, yes. Chocolate's full of magnesium. Yeah. So, <laughs> right stuff, yes. Um, so just being able to redefine setbacks and shift, pivot, you know, the, the nature of the universe is that we are going to have setbacks. We are yeah. going to have failures in all of our Four pillars. Relationships will break down. Right, okay, how do I define it? Is that a reflection of me as a person? Well, maybe I can learn from it, but essentially I'm a, a beautiful human being that's an unlimited potential. Mm. What can I do to move forward from here? And it, it's redefining these events that happen. And I was just thinking this morning that how does, you know, steel become steel because it's tested in fire? You know, it's the only way that develops that toughness, that strength, that ability to keep moving forward is because it's burnt, it's in fire. So we need to, at times, place ourselves in fire or fire will come to us and how do we test ourselves? How do we move through that with, with grace and with faith and humility? Mm. That's the challenge, I suppose, that we're all going to all going to face and it's going to be different for all of us, but we've, every individual on the planet has challenges. You know, and it's it's how we continue to reflect and move forward, which is the um, sign of our character and sign of our growth. And I love that you mentioned kind of, you know, becoming more conscious of what are you focusing on? Is it something that is in your control and not your control? Because I feel like some of these concepts 
are so simple, aren't they, for us to understand. Like that's that's one everyone can understand. But it's not as easy to implement. And I really notice, you know, whenever you're feeling like stressed or anything in your life, it's such an easy one to come back to. Like are you essentially emotionally and mentally suffering because you're trying to like figure something out that you can't figure out because you're concentrating on something that you can't control. Yeah. Always bring it back to your own sense of self-empowerment. Yeah, yeah, mm. and it's beautiful. And I look at the, the, the negative thoughts that spring up in our mind. We're constantly negative thoughts that are coming through, you know. So we have, um, I think, you know, the, the correct percentages in the book, but maybe 70 or 80% of our thoughts are negative yeah. And by the time we reach the mid-30s, 97% of our thoughts are recurring anyway. So we're just being bombarded with yeah. thousands of negative, self-critical judgment thoughts all the time. So once we start to have be able to step back a little bit, we can start to say, man, our own biggest critic is the person in our head telling us the whole thing <laughs> we can't do, you know. And if we just <laughs> shut that up, maybe we could start to move forward. But uh, if only it was that easy to turn the dial and turn it off, it's not. Um, but then I'll, I'll go back to having rituals that can lead us with confidence, that can make us feel, help us feel good in our body and mind, that can, can use us. And then you know, that comes back to simple things such as changing our focus when we do have a lot of negative things. Let's bring back to our, our senses. What do we see around us? What can we smell? How can we breathe? What crazy little dance we can do to just shift things. And, and go, <laughs> you know, what, let's look around at one little dot, you know, billion-sized universe, let's get a bit of perspective here. And, and um, I know just as like anyone else, it's, it's easier than at times than others, um, but we do the best we can. I mean, we were speaking about this before I press record this morning. It's in Sydney. It's just the weather is absolutely chaotic. And I went down to the beach and the wind was so strong that I almost felt like I was going to get knocked over. It. But the, the, the ocean was wild. And I was sharing with Jeff that like, those moments are so powerful, moments that we tend to sort of decide to stay indoors and stay warm or stay in comfort aren't always the best decisions for us. And I find when I make the decision to go out in weather like that and, you know, I put my feet on the ground, I got my shoes off and it was windy and raining and it just, right. it felt so powerful and I felt like I was just like wow. embodying that power and, yeah. you know, we we're talking yeah. about that connection with nature. It can just yes. be so uh, nurturing and healing and reconnecting sometimes rather yeah. than if I just decided to stay warm indoors, my day would have been totally different because of that. Yeah, I did a similar thing earlier this year. I celebrated my 45th birthday and it was right at the times when the, the Brisbane floods were on. So it was raining, bucketing down and it was all weekend and it was a Saturday and I was sitting sitting in here and I'm like, I've got to do something. So you know, board shorts on, no shoes, no shirt. Let's just run down to the local park play in the, muddle, in the puddles, run around, do some handstands, do some push-up, whatever, and just go, you know what, it's raining, who cares? Yeah. You know, it's, and I came back and was like, I had a great birthday. I'll never forget this birthday because it's, you know, a national event. But it's just doing these things that are a little bit different that I think yeah. helps to shift, right. shift things and we, we have a different perspective and we're energised again and, and we can all do our best to move the best we can and, and movement exercise is such a great changer of state psychologically as well yeah get out of your head and into your body and if exactly. what you're doing is not working do something different yes, yes, yes <laughs> you don't yes, have to yes, get right. it right but just try <laughs> that's all you can do that's all you can do is try and try different things until you get the right sometimes putting on some uh some classic 80s music and yeah. <laughs> can be <laughs> the fall back on maybe even the exactly, 70s exactly <laughs> exactly well not only the 70s 80s is more my side but uh yeah. sometimes that's the best thing to do is just listen to those tunes and go you know what this is pretty funky this yeah, is yeah. cool right? yeah life's cool <laughs> yeah, yeah, crank it up when you're driving to work and it's like, yep, this yep. is going to make me feel good. <laughs> so. so you talk about, I just want to sort of go continue on with mindset for a moment. You sort of have this question in your book where you ask, is your mind your enemy or your friend? And I assume most of us, you know, as we talk about this internal critic, we'll say that most of the time as we're suggesting it could be almost something that feels like an enemy. Yeah. What would you... Um, advise in relation to becoming more of one's own friend? That's a beautiful question. I think sitting by yourself, I, I know mm. a, a yogic quote is something along the lines of all the problems in the world would be healed if 
people would just go sit quietly in a room by themselves, <laughs> you know, to, to understand themselves a little bit better. Yeah. And then to develop compassion for themselves and for others. I think removing yourself from the distractions, the world is just a constant distraction and to remove yourself from them for a period of time and to sit with oneself is probably not only the one of the most challenging things we can do, but also one of the most rewarding things we can do um, because it's just so uncommon now to find people who are centred, who are clear, who are moving through life and are happy. You know, there's. it seems that almost we're in an unhappiness pandemic yeah. that we worry about so many things and it's a lot of the stuff that we worry about is not in our control. You yeah. Know? Throw away the TV. You don't get nothing from the TV. <laughs> Doom and gloom. <laughs> I know, I know. So, you know, just control as best you can what goes into your mind. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think I use the example again on the book that, you know, I would listen to often the um, Les Browns, the Gary V's, and Tony Robbins and just listen to their message the whole time and their motivation clips and those type of things just to surround myself with some positivity because negative world and negativity unfortunately sells yeah, my um my go-to is Brene Brown. Whenever I'm like feeling yeah. a bit funny, need yes. need a good friend by my side, yes. I'll put like I've got a favorite um uh talk that she does on YouTube with like beautiful like empowering music and yes. I'll put that on and I almost know it word for word now, yeah, but like guaranteed yeah. every time I put it on, I'm just like yeah, like whatever was yes. bothering me is no longer bothering it's me and it's, it's just so friends. easy. Yeah. So I I love right. that recommendation of just like yeah, finding someone that, you know, it doesn't have to be a real person. It could be someone that is on YouTube or online that you yeah. just find you can depend on in those yes. moments where you feel like you need a little bit more support, someone in your ear with some positivity um, yeah. and some compassion and empathy and yes. your day because can it's be changed. Yeah. yeah. There's not many people that, that embark on the journey of self-development and self-improvement because it requires hard work. Yeah. And in a society where everything, where comfortability is valued, it's rare to have people that are actually trying and working on themselves and it comes it becomes difficult and you become despondent when you're trying your best to be positive to be energized to live with vitality to do great things and it can feel that the universe is just giving you resistance 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 mm -hmm. so you need to try and surround yourself you know that's relationships it's a support group that you can actually um, you know, surround yourself with that, that positivity when you need it. And sort of going back to what you said about taking time to just be on your own in a room and be with your thoughts, I was thinking about this recently and it's really fascinating, isn't it, the concept that like most people don't want to do that because the where, where it kind of takes me is like, well, what are you afraid of? And there's certainly fear there as to why you're not doing it. And to me, that just seems like you're fearing your own self. And when I think about it like that, I'm like, that's a that's a, not a great place to be in. If you're literally living your life afraid of facing who you are or who yeah. you've created yourself to be, because yeah. um, I feel like maybe that fear is we're not always being our authentic selves and we don't know our path back there. Yes, yes. But when you sort of go more deeper and sort of more into that darkness it's it's quite a uh confronting thing to think about yeah yeah and, and i follow a lot of the i suppose eastern philosophy and, and some of their ancient wisdom in regards to the notions of the mind and mm. the mind cannot live in the present it can only live in the future and the past so anything you do to try and come in the present the mind will try and send you thoughts or send you images to try and push you out of that so you can be back in control again and then once again it's stepping back and going well am I really my mind or right. am I something bigger and beyond mm. that and then I think once you start in that journey of questioning you can go a little bit deeper and, and maybe get glimpses or just have a bit of a perspective that wow I'm an energetic being that's connected to everything around me and I am not at the will of my mind and if my mind says this or this thought comes up, I don't actually have to follow it or go down that path. Or I'm not a bad person for thinking this or 
whatever it is. It's just mm-hmm. the mind. The, they call it the monkey mind, often the mind just going about its business and it's restless by nature. It's just moving around the whole time, <laughs> jumping between the present, jumping between or jumping between the past, jumping to the present, the future, and it's just running around and it's just and it create and it uses so much energy. You know, um, I think at, at rest, 20% of the food we consume is used for energy for our brain. I mean, our brains only takes 3% of our body weight or something like that. So it's um, it uses, it consumes a huge amount of energy yeah. that drains us. So by the end of the day, we're getting home and the brain's been going the whole time. We've been dealing with the negative world and we're just exhausted and we're just sucking that vitality and happiness out of us. Um, that, that is so nourishing in, in our life that is so short. Yeah, I love the metaphor of like thinking it's just kind of like our health and vitality is like water going through a garden hose. And whenever there's a kink, the the water is obviously stopped flowing, the health and vitality is flowing. So it's always good to sort of question ourselves. And sometimes we need support on this is kind of finding out, well, what are the kinks in the mm. hose? What are the kinks in that are providing that health and vitality? And sort mm. of going back to even the idea of like, you know, being consciousness, being the awareness of our thoughts, not our thoughts ourselves. I think what I find in that practice as well is, you know, I don't know if this fully makes sense. It's almost like a paradox, but like, don't get caught up in the strategy of that. Don't get caught up in your mind of that. I think when you're really playing into the awareness that you are of those thoughts, the important part is also bringing your body into that, like really feeling into that. Because I think when a lot of people practice meditation, for example, particularly people that are new to it. And I mean, by all means, I don't know too much about it, but I know enough to kind of recognize that when I first started, it was almost like a stressful state because I was just too in my mind about it all (laughs) and not enough in the awareness in my body. Is that kind of what you experience? Yeah, yeah. We're all trying to get somewhere and there's nowhere to go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're all trying to reach. We try it for 30 seconds and like, that doesn't work for me. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) That was boring and stressful. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. It's, uh, It's that notion of there's nowhere to go, there's nothing to do. It's all there. Everything we ever after is within us. So why worry about all the stuff that's outside and happening, which yeah. is easy to say, I know. Um, but the body is always present. The body is always here and now. It's the mind that's not here and now. So coming back into our body and feeling different things in our body is always a good state. That's why breath awareness and breath work is always a good way of bringing us into a more conscious, uh, present state because mm-hmm. it's working with the body that is always present. Um, so connecting to that body and bringing our awareness to that body is a really good way of, of um, developing that consciousness and, and not mm. going down the pathway of their mind because it's easy to say, oh, I'm doing it wrong because I'm not, you know, this enlightened person and just with no thoughts. You're going to have thoughts. Thoughts are going to come the whole time. <laughs> yeah. You're aware of it. You're doing it right. right. So, it's, uh, you know, and you might have moments where those that wavelength may flatten a little bit and it may subside for a little bit, but then something else will pop in and then it'll go just running down a little rabbit hole and you've got to pull it back again. And, yeah. and then, then, then you notice those type of things off the mat, when you start, off the, the sitting when you start to move around in daily life and the less reactivity that you have to different things, the greater perspective, the greater appreciation and gratitude of things that you do have rather than what you don't have start to build and, and therefore that quality of life if you go right back to the beginning, starts to become enhanced. Beautiful. I love it. Yeah, it's not necessarily about getting rid of your thoughts, but it's about developing a better, more serving relationship with them. Yeah, it's a a beautiful way of putting it together. So where I want to sort of close with you, Jeff, is on the concept of grace. Um, And I'll share the quote first that you have in your book. You share, grace transcends the mundane into magic. And I just really love that quote. And it really resonated with me because it kind of made me think back to when I used to work in corporate and truly every day I just felt like was really mundane, really uninspiring. I just kind of, I didn't feel like the magic of the grace in the day, but I do think that it's possible if I went back there now knowing what I know to find that. Can you share more about how we can practice that sort of in those sort of mundane experiences of our life? Yeah, grace is a beautiful, a beautiful practice, and in our in our, our daily life, it's it's a come back to that awareness of the simple things of the 
element of making a coffee and knowing that we get so caught up in our our habits, which are different from our routines, our habits that we do unconsciously, that we exclude that element of grace. So use the example of driving to work the same way, the same part every single time. We get to work and we don't even know how we got there because our mind was somewhere else. And we might have been in the car for half an hour, but we are, have no awareness and conscious memory of what we've done. Grace, to me, is that element of bringing back to this moment and appreciating this moment. And then through that, opening up to the potential of what can happen. You yeah, know, um, beautiful. You know, the taking a different pathway to walk to work and walking down a different street and running into someone and forming a relationship from there. Um, I think I used the example of once I was at an um, airport waiting for a flight and just sitting opposite me was a guy and he had a, you know, sat down. You could see he was tired and I just said, oh, I had a rough day. And, you know, this is 10 years ago. We're still great friends. He's a multi-millionaire wow. in Melbourne and we connect quite often. And it's just having that openness to say, you know what, I'm not in my head. I'm not thinking about getting home to my family, that type of stuff. I'm just going to be here and open up to what can happen and and I think grace is is being able to step back and go. There's so many things we can't control, mm. but we can control that quality of now and the presence of now, and, and the practice of bringing that to things. And you know, the world's a magical place. Things happen yeah. when we least expect it. So um, I use that also at the beginning of the book. That you know, therefore, we go back to that element of control of presentation you know if we're presenting ourselves as well as we possibly can then we're ready for that opportunity that moment of grace when it happens if that's meeting someone if that's you know just getting an idea or or whatever it is the element of grace comes from the preparation and then allowing this moment to happen and and finding the beauty of that so um, grace is a beautiful beautiful practice in its own in its own element yeah love it love it love it thanks so much jeff for this beautiful conversation i have loved it fabulous we have been in flow yeah 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 it's been great to spend the fun day having a chat uh which is yeah yeah uh, yeah podcast so it's been a nice time (laughs) all right jeff well on a final note i would love to ask you what does it mean to you to be human to be human is to experience the magicness of every moment. Mm, beautiful. Not to do anything, to experience it and to be present in whatever you're doing. I think you know, take away titles, take away prestige, take away achievement. The To be human is to be experiencing what is here, what is now. Um, and if that's emptiness in the now, that's fullness in the now. If that's by yourself, if that's with people, if that's on a tram, you know, going to work on a cold morning in winters, it's it's taking that moment to experience what is happening now. Um, that's that to me is, is to be human. We are such unlimited beings in our potential, um, and to be human is to fully embrace and experience that. <laughs>